We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Home and home. Are the two biggest sports stars in the city of Boston both heading to the left coast? Dale Arnold, Sports Radio WEEI in Boston with some interesting news related to a trade between the Red Sox and the Dodgers. Mookie Betts sounds like he ought to pack his bags for L.A. What about Tom Brady? Is TB12 bringing that brand out to Los Angeles? We'll speak to uh, our good friend about that from the city of Los Angeles, Randy Cardoon, KNX 1070 in L.A. It is a post Football Withdrawal Syndrome Tuesday here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs. I'm home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker's home in Pennsylvania. 9.30. We're a little bit late for the news, but this is when we will start to deliver the news headlines of the day. And we'll give some clues, some news clues to Ross Tucker to see how well he is following the news. Ross Tucker, good Tuesday to you, sir. In what state did the 2020 polling voting start last night? What state did it start? All right. So a couple of things we need to say here first, Dave. Yep. One is I'm really putting myself out there with this segment every day. Okay. Yeah. I don't follow the news very closely. This probably is not going to reflect well on me on a daily basis. Ultimately, I don't really give a shit. I love my life and it doesn't really bother me that I don't pay attention to news or politics that closely. And I think it'll be funny to see how little I know and I'll ask questions that hopefully will allow me to understand better. Yep. And this will be my new way of getting the news. I'll get it from Dave Briggs in five to 10 minutes every day at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. Um, so I am putting myself out there. Now, how are we going to do this, Dave? I thought, so you're going to ask me questions and I try to answer them. I thought you would tell me the news and I would ask questions, but we can do either. You can do that, but I think I'm going to kick each story off with a bit of a question. And you are willing to laugh at yourself. That's a, a really valuable asset. But then again, when you played in the NFL, when you're rich and good-looking and talented and you went to Princeton, you better be able to fucking laugh at yourself or otherwise that makes you downright unlikable. So with that, I assume you know the easy part. In what state? the 2020 voting process began last night. That's the easy one. That's the gimme layup. Iowa. Boom. Iowa. Boom. Boom. Okay. It began last night. Current events like a rock star. Okay, go ahead. Now, number two is also a layup. Who won? This is a trick question because I do follow some people on Twitter And my answer is, I believe we don't know who won. Somewhere they just flipped the coin, but I'm going to go with 
We don't know who won because whoever runs the Iowa caucus screwed up and there was some type of logistical issue. This is my surprise face. See, Ross Tucker clearly follows the news better than we were led to believe, but it is that social media factor. An unmitigated disaster is what President Trump tweeted happened last night in Iowa. And for once, unlike his Kansas City, Kansas tweet after the Super Bowl, this one is correct because it was a disaster. The app that they started to report all the results at the Iowa caucuses did not deliver. So inconsistencies in reporting is what they say delayed the results at as of 9.45 a.m. Eastern time. Even by the time you listen to this podcast later in the day, we still do not know who won the Iowa caucus, which makes it completely irrelevant. It is an old school system. Why Iowa is being allowed to always hold the first in the nation caucus, perhaps that is time for it to be reviewed. So it only determines 41 of the 1,991 delegates across the country, but there are 1,600 different caucuses across the state. And now, because the app didn't work, they're going back to photos of the results and handwritten words. Yes, an unmitigated disaster because all the candidates have left for New Hampshire, their primary one week from today, Ross. All right. So what the hell is a caucus? Okay. And why do they have to call it a caucus? And so just to summarize right now, obviously, since President Trump's there, this is just the, the Democrats holding their primary elections in the state of Iowa, correct? Well, the Republicans also caucused last night, but there are no other candidates on the ballot. Um, measures across the country have kept other candidates off the ballot, like Joe Walsh, the former uh, political talk show host and congressman. So they did um, have a process last night. Obviously not much of a turnout, no real interest in who wins the Republican Party because President Trump has coalesced the entire party around him. So this really is all on Democrats right now. Why do they caucus? It is backwards. It is outdated. Sorry, Iowa. I love you. I love the Hawkeyes. I love the Cyclones. I love the Field of Dreams. But this system absolutely sucks. First off, they shouldn't be first in the nation because does Iowa truly represent the average Joe in America? Does it represent the third 330 million Americans? In my estimation, no, it does not. What is a caucus? Well, there are 1,600 different small and large meetings, some in living rooms, some in high school gymnasiums. They vary widely in terms of the sizes in which they all try to determine the person that gets the largest share of the support from each individual caucus. And as you mentioned there, one could not come up with the winner between Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren. So they ultimately flipped a coin to determine who won that particular caucus. It is outdated. It is old school. It is ridiculous. And perhaps now that this unmitigated disaster did happen, it's time for some change. Are you, are you clear now on the process? Yeah, no. I guess my question there would be, why is it so important? Just because it's the first one, and if you get your ass kicked there, you can probably bounce. If you're doing really well there, you get some momentum. 
absolutely about momentum. And, and the reason this might be good news for Joe Biden is the buzz that I'm hearing from Iowa is that Joe Biden was going to do very poorly in Iowa and could have really hurt his momentum going on to these next states, New Hampshire and Nevada among them. So Joe Biden expected to do poorly. So maybe he benefits here where some felt that either Pete Buttigieg, the former South Bend, Indiana mayor, or Bernie Sanders, the old crazy, some say socialist, some say independent, was going to win. So it would have been great momentum for either of them. And what's interesting about Iowa is it really tells you more about the Democrats than Republicans, because it has picked the last six Democratic nominees. They have nailed it. So Iowa has been an indicator of what's to come in the Democratic Party, six straight elections. Not at all with Republicans. They, in fact, usually blow it when it comes to Republicans. They have missed three straight nominees on that side. So how do we know that I'm going to bring in all my knowledge here, okay? I'm yeah. going to bring it all together. Everybody get ready. How do we know that Joe Biden didn't enlist the help of foreign powers to make sure the Iowa app didn't work? Boom. <laughs> Boom. This is an interesting theory. Problem now, if solved. He, if he weren't so old and out of touch, that would be an interesting theory. But Joe Biden's weakness is probably exactly what you're talking about, using uh, apps and online technology to mess with the process. Yeah, Joe Biden's going to benefit, but definitely no way Uncle Joe had any hand in this. Now, on the other hand, the number one trending topic in this country right now on Twitter is hashtag Mayor Cheat, referencing Mayor Pete Buttigieg because he paid some money to this company called Shadow Inc. that developed the app that failed last night. Give me a break. This is Bernie Sanders people trying to drum up some controversy. A lot of candidates pay technology companies and apps for information and data targeting certain voters. Mayor Cheat, Mayor Pete did not have anything to do with this. In fact, it may hurt him the most if, in fact, he was going to be the winner. And he did uh, try to take a little credit for a win last night. My estimation was that Mayor Pete was going to do very, very well and get a lot of momentum. One more political question, and we'll move on to some other headlines. What happens tonight that happens once a year in politics? Silence. Um yeah, I'm going to say that uh, all the politicians get together to celebrate the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl two years ago today. That is a solid anniversary call there. Yes, two years ago today, the Eagles did win the Super Bowl. But no, tonight is the State of the Union address. The president will address Congress. It will dominate your television. All three broadcast networks and all the cable news stations will be locked into the State of the Union address as the president. The real question is, will he take a victory lap on being cleared of impeachment. That is really the big question before the State of the Union address. Have you ever watched a president deliver his State of the Union address? Uh, I think I've watched parts of it once or twice, maybe. Yeah, it's a really. It's a ridiculous scene. What happens tonight is the Republicans stand up and give 10, 12, maybe even 20 standing ovations, and the Democrats sit there with their arms folded. Oftentimes, the president tries to throw something out there that might get the Democrats to stand. There is nothing this president will do that will even get a single Democrat 
off of his feet. It's become a bit of a ridiculous exercise. So is politics. Moving on to food. This is more up your alley. A hot sauce was so popular, it sold out in less than one hour. That hot sauce is based off of a very popular and delicious spice seasoning mix that I use atop my Bloody Mary. Do you know what that highly, very popular seasoning is that was the single ingredient in this hot sauce? Absolutely not. No, I'm not a huge spice guy, so no. Oh, Old Bay seasoning is amazing. Oh. They developed a hot sauce, kind of like Cholula or Tabasco. It sold out in 40 minutes, and the people at Old Bay say, yeah, not surprised at all. There are people that have tattoos with Old Bay seasoning on their body. Some of those we got to get on this program. You've had Old Bay, right? I have, and I, I have a buddy that loves Old Bay seasoning. And growing up, high school, college, anytime we were grilling anything, he had the Old Bay and was putting it on the steaks or whatever. Dave Denunzio, shout out Dave Denunzio. That's what I know about Old Bay is, is old Dave Denunzio. Unbelievable. Uh, one of the millennials, Jordan Cohn, says he might be able to get us some of that sauce. I will definitely try that here on the program on eggs, in my Bloody Mary, whatever they like, because the Old Bay seasoning goes on steaks, goes on burgers, and definitely nails the top, the brim of my Bloody Mary. All right, back to sports news we go for you. And the Super Bowl was up in television ratings just barely. 2% it went up. 102 million viewers, highest rated Super Bowl in four years. The most watched ever Super Bowl remains, and I think, frankly, will forever remain, never to be topped. That Seahawks-Patriots Super Bowl, 114 million people watched that. Two interesting takeaways out of those numbers. Number one, once again, Ross, what was the highest rated moment of the Super Bowl? Was it the end of the game? Was it the kickoff? Or was it right in the middle, the halftime show? Halftime show. Halftime show once again. Ten straight years, the highest rated moment. Explain that to me because now I'll deliver the news, but how do more people suddenly tune in for the halftime show? I figure your TV's on. I would always think the end of the game or the, the closest moment of the game. Do more people turn on their televisions knowing that halftime is coming? Everybody that wants to watch the game and is into football has that television pinned on Fox or whatever it is from 6 p.m. Eastern to 10.30 p.m. Eastern. So you're not going to lose anybody at halftime. They don't turn it at halftime because they want to watch the halftime show and they don't want to miss any of the game. There are people, though, probably like my mom, who follows along the score on her phone but watches a Lifetime movie or whatever, but then when she sees it's halftime, switches over to the game because she wants to see J-Lo and Shakira, what they wear, how they're dressed. They want to see their performance. That makes perfect sense to me. I would think it's uh, number one, halftime show, number two, the end of the game, number three, the start of the game. 
Interesting. I, I just don't understand the concept of knowing the game is going on, turning my television on for the halftime show, but this is happening every single year. I have come around on, was it an offensive Super Bowl? Am I a prude? My original answer was yes, absolutely. But then I realized I'm watching that game with my seven-year-old daughter, and I think it really depends on the context in which you watch that game. I have come, uh, come around on this talking to my son, seeing the things that they do see on YouTube and with the simple Google search, and remembering the fact that last year there was a shirtless man delivering the halftime show. I think it was right for the times. I think it was sexy, although there are a lot of protests being waged here. Franklin Graham, well-known pastor, he says... Our country has had a sense of moral decency on primetime TV in order to protect children. We see that disappearing before our eyes, and that was demonstrated before millions of kids. He thinks it was very inappropriate. The USA Today has an article. The NFL has an obligation to warn people with children what they're about to see may be upsetting to some viewers. Ross Tucker, are you still offended? Do you still think it was too far the halftime show with Shakira and JLo and should there be a warning label before such shows for parents with young children watching so I, I'm not offended I was never offended I just thought it was a little bit too much uh, and, I'm a, and I'm surprised that the NFL went that way or allowed that and I do think if they're going to go that far with it I do think that there should be some sort of warning because I think you knew going into it that J-Lo and Shakira would be suggestive, that they would be sexy, and that's part of their allure, and I totally get that. But the outfits and the crotch grabbing I thought went a little bit too far and maybe, Dave, the issue, frankly, was the camera work for some of that. You know, it was like they planned for the camera to be right there when her crotch was right there or when her hand was right there. There are probably things they could have done from a broadcast standpoint that would have made it not quite as jarring. Uh, you know, I talked about it with my daughters last night. And... Their takeaway was they thought the dancing was cool and they liked the movement. I don't think that they were. I think that they are of an age, six and seven, that they almost don't notice that stuff. What I wonder about are the girls like eight to 12, eight to 13 maybe, and how impressionable mm -hmm. they would be in terms of what they saw. And I do think... It would have been very simple for the NFL to say, hey, there there might be some, you know, before they threw it to it, there might be some aspects of this halftime show that might not be suitable for children. Boom, that simple. Mm. People can make a decision. We asked people at RDC, was it too provocative, the halftime show, Shakira and J-Lo, 77% of the eighth thousand plus votes said no 22 percent though that that's not an insignificant number when you're talking about nearly a quarter of the population 
found it too provocative. And my Twitter feed was filled up, quite frankly, with people that did find it far too provocative. And lastly, one last thing before we get to a break here, Ross, the top 10 markets as related to the Super Bowl. Obviously, Kansas City was number one highest rated market in the United States. It wasn't close. Where do you think the Bay Area market fell in the ratings? Was it one through five, five through 10, or outside the top 10? Yeah, so this is a bad one because I follow you on Twitter, so I already know the Ah. answer to it, at Dave Briggs TV, outside the top 10. That is pretty stunning. It's pretty surprising. You would think that, that the Bay Area would be top 10. Their team's in the game. California is just a different a different breed, man. Dude, I got to tell you, I am disappointed in all of you in the Bay Area. I'm sorry. I love you. It's nice out there. This sucks. San Francisco, the Bay Area, not being in the top 10 in the Super Bowl as your team tries to win the first Super Bowl in 25 years. This is pathetic. You are fair weather. You aren't even fair weather. You're just not passionate sports fans. Give me a break. Here's your top 10 outside Kansas City. Milwaukee, Nashville, Denver, Boston, Minneapolis, Philly, D.C., Cleveland, and Providence all had better ratings than you, the Bay Area, and your teams in the Super Bowl. You are a failure. You are a disaster. You are a debacle. And no Joe Shasky. It's not because there are more Super Bowl parties in the Bay Area. It's because there are just no passionate Sports fans outside of that tiny core, absolutely pathetic. I can't imagine how many teams would fall outside the top 10 with their team in the Super Bowl. Just can't believe it, Ross. All right, we're going to come back and we'll talk about the city of Los Angeles. Speaking of another fair weather market, is Tom Brady headed there? Randy Cardoon, KNX 1070 in LA after a break here on Home and Home. But first, I got to make sure you guys know all about ZipRecruiter. Because if you switch to ZipRecruiter when you're trying to hire somebody, it makes an immediate difference. You see, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So if you get qualified candidates faster. In fact, after posting a job on ZipRecruiter, You'll be amazed by how quickly great candidates apply and you'll find your new hiree in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Welcome back to a depressed Tuesday. It's the post-football withdrawal syndrome. How are you coping with it? How do you fill that NFL void? Will it be with the XFL this coming weekend? Is it the NBA? Is it the NHL? Is it family time? Is it some other, is it some other hobby that you have? Let us know at RDC home and home on Twitter or at Ross Tucker NFL. I'm at Dave Briggs TV on Twitter. 
It is a Tuesday Home and Home. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. Smartest way to get some eyeballs on the halftime show is by being flat out sexy and spicy the way Shakira and J-Lo were. I have come around to realizing I was a bit of a prude and saying it was too provocative. 77% of you agree with that assessment. But Ross, did you go too far in your Twitter behavior related to said halftime show? Did you have some, some controversy on the home front? All right, so first of all, what 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 in one day made you change your mind? Since when are you like a uh, flippity flip guy? Two things. One, talking to my kids about it, in which my son said, "Dad, Dad, ain't even close to the stuff I see all the time." Hold on a second. Hold on a second. How old is yep. your son? He is twelve. What does he see? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't ask to see it, but. Then I said, all right, well, let me just let me just do a so if you go to the Instagram, right, the home page, and you just do a search, right, of what images are trending, just a blanket search, you will see far more explicit, sexually provocative images just like that. All of our kids are on Instagram. So that made me realize right there, wow, I guess I forgot just how provocative a general peruse of Instagram is, man. It is all TNA. I don't know. How do you do a general thing? I'm doing it right now. I see a guy lifting in a video. Zara Larson, whoever that is. I don't know. I don't see that much. Really? Huh? Okay. Generally, you scroll down and you're going to see at least a dozen images that just go wow and the stuff that is allowed on instagram has come a long way just check out our friend julia rose from shag mag i mean the stuff they allow is incredible today mine is like all sports yeah probably it probably tracks what follow. you look at <laughs> yeah 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 i follow a couple of uh uh i follow julia rose <laughs> including uh, a few other attractive young lady. So maybe that's why my search skews that. But what did you tweet that's so offended? Uh, well, I tweeted during the game. I was watching it and uh, during the halftime show. And I thought it'd be funny to tweet that J-Lo has tremendous lower body power because she does. And that's like a football term. Like when you have Thick, powerful, lower body. You have tremendous lower body power. It's how we describe running backs often. Watching J-Lo, she has tremendous lower body power. People liked it. You know, I got a pretty good reaction to it. I can read some of the responses. At Ross Tucker NFL. He's at Dave Briggs TV. We're at RDC. Home and home. And uh, somebody said, could be a workhorse running back. Well, my wife says she does have a power source. Fluid hips. This one guy spit out his thing. Works well on the stripper pole. Sadly, neither singer actually sung. Pretty good for a 50-year-old. Yep, I noticed that too. Bubble butt. Blah, blah, blah. Took some of A-Rod's vitamins. 
Yeah. Uh, and this is the one that my wife noticed. One guy, Tim Riley, said, don't you have a wife? That's what his reply was to my tweet. Don't you have a wife? So what? late that night, so Sunday night, I'm going to bed. And my wife says, we talk about the halftime show. She was at a family party. I wasn't. She said, did you have to do that tweet about J-Lo? And I said, hmm. no, I didn't have to. I chose to. She's like, you don't need to do stuff like that. You're better than that. And I'm like, what does that mean? I'm better than that. It was funny. It's a football term. 150 million people are watching the halftime show. I didn't, you know, say she's sexy or I want to hook up with her or anything like that. I just said it's funny because like a running back, she has tremendous lower body power. She's like, well, I didn't really care for it. And, you know, one of your followers even said, don't you have a wife? Yeah, that so follower. I got in problem. trouble. I got in trouble. You should not have gotten in trouble. I love your wife. She's a lovely lady, but that's a ridiculous overreaction based on that stupid follower that should never have commented about, like, look, this doesn't even get close to what might piss my wife off. I, I don't even see anything offensive whatsoever within that tweet, no matter how you interpret it. I thought it was funny. I didn't think it was at all sexual, and she does have some lower body power, man. I thought it was a good observation, but you bring up a whole nother question here and that's of wives following their husband on social media. Now my wife does not do any social media. She keeps an eye on our daughter on what she posts on Instagram, but she doesn't spend two seconds on Twitter nor on Instagram, nor has really any care what I tweet or post. So should wives follow their husbands on social media or should that be separate? Should it be separate, but equal keep that outside? Like I would prefer my wife, not at all pay attention to my tweets. That would just involve way too many discussions. I don't want to have, I want to keep those two things entirely separate. Well, I understand my, why my wife does. She wants to know what I'm tweeting or posting in part because she doesn't want it to be about her and or our girls, our family, mm -hmm. because of privacy concerns, security concerns. So she would say to you, that's why she follows me. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with her following me. I'm not posting anything. I'm not posting inappropriate stuff or saying inappropriate stuff. What I don't like, though, is this. What I don't like is if there's something that's not even risque or not even edgy at all, but to get flack for it, I'd rather be like, just don't follow me then. Like, if you think that, I mean, there are people yeah. that have shows, radio, television, social media, they go way, way further than that. Way further than that. You have to understand, though, you know, a little bit, and this is a little bit inside baseball, but... My wife is from a very, very rural, conservative area of Pennsylvania where everything is totally private. And evidently, 
you don't even say that J-Lo has tremendous lower body power. <laughs> wow. I guess that is a whole new world when it comes to Twitter reactions. I say a blocker. Blocker on Twitter <laughs> this morning, and let's see what the reaction is tomorrow on Home and Home. I want to see what that's like. Blocker, tell her, hey, look, it'll be easier for you if you just don't see what I tweet. See how long it takes to get a reaction and see what that is. But first, let's get your reaction to the Hall of Fame over the weekend. I went four for five. The only surprise to me on the Hall of Fame, and we should in case people have not yet uh, heard who made the Hall of Fame. Of course, it was the safety, Steve Atwater, the offensive lineman, Steve Hutchinson, Edge, Edger and James, the great Colts running back, and Bruce, Isaac Bruce, the Rams wide receiver, was your 2020 Hall of Fame class. The only surprise to me on those five over the weekend was Steve Atwater, and I'm a Broncos fan, and I love Steve Atwater, one of my favorite players growing up. Still think John Lynch is a better overall player, had more interceptions, had more sacks, had one more Pro Bowl, and one more All-Pro team. So a better all-around player, but maybe it came down to timing. Atwater uh, gets in first, and maybe Lynch gets in later. That was the only real surprise to me. Those were essentially the five that I would have voted for, but it seems you disagreed with the class far more than I did. Well, so first of all, it's very clear that there's a pecking order at certain positions and the voters believe someone to be a Hall of Famer and they kind of think, you know what, let's get this guy in now before it's too late. He's been waiting a long time, blah, blah, blah. And that was, it appears, why Steve Atwater got in. My guess is we're a year or two or three away from John Lynch getting in for the same reason. I think maybe that happens at wide receiver for sure as well. It was Isaac Bruce's turn. Then in a year or two, maybe it'll be Torrey Holt's turn. Then later on, Reggie Wayne. You know, there's kind of, Dave, like, skip the line guys. You know, like Peyton Manning, right? Or in this instance, Troy Polamalu, where it's like, wow, that guy for sure, get him in, right? He is a Hall of Famer. But then if yeah. you're not that, if you're not like that skip the line guy, I think that there's a bunch of people. The Atwater Lynch, the Bruce Holt, you know, where they just kind of feel like, yeah, they're deserving and... They'll get in. Uh, let's just get the guy that has been waiting the longest and the guy whose eligibility runs out the soonest. Put him in first. Then we'll get to the next guy. The problem with that, Dave, is on one level, there's some really good first-year candidates coming up next year. Um, so that's one issue I have. But the biggest issue by far and something I need to address is offensive line. I'm okay that only one guy got in. Steve Hutchinson is a pro football Hall of Famer, and deservedly so. But I got to tell you, Dave, what he was asked to do 
as a left guard in a West Coast offense in Seattle and Minnesota is not even close to what Tony Baselli was asked to do in Jacksonville. I got time at all five spots. All my starts were the interior trio. Fanica, Hutchinson, incredible players. I watched them my whole career. But Tony Baselli was asked to block Bruce Smith, Derek Thomas, Jason Taylor, one-on-one for seven-step drops. No help, just block him. And here's the deal. Steve Hutchinson himself would tell you that what Tony Baselli was asked to do was much, much more difficult. The issue I have, Dave, is that Tony Baselli is better, significantly better than a bunch of guys already in the Hall of Fame. That's poor. And people say, well, he didn't play enough games. He played more games than Dwight Stevenson or Gale Sayers or Terrell Davis or Kenny Easley. He played almost 100 games. You won't find a former player that will say that Tony Baselli didn't play long enough. And I good luck finding a former player that will say that Tony Baselli wasn't the best left tackle and arguably best offensive lineman along with Larry Allen during his six years. If that's the case, he's got to be in. If he's better than other guys that are in, he's got to be in. If he could do what these other guys did, but they can't do what he did, he's got to be in. I'm not going to disagree with you that Tony Baselli deserves to be in and will get in at some point. But he's on the same ballot with Steve Hutchinson, who is a seven-time Pro Bowler, a seven-time All-Pro, five on the first, second, uh, two times. This is a guy who's part of the all-2000s, all-decade team. You know he's not going to get in on a ballot in which he appears with Steve Hutchinson. And ultimately, yes, it is that. Well, why, do Davis that? Argument. Why, why do you say that? Why do you say well, that? Well, look. Because ultimately, look, I, the biggest thing that surprised me about Terrell Davis getting in, and I, and I think Terrell Davis is a Hall of Famer similar to Tony Baselli. The thing that surprised me about Terrell Davis getting in was that he got in with LT, with LaDainian Tomlinson, who did it over a long period of time. I thought Terrell Davis would never get in on a same ballot with a guy like LaDainian Tomlinson, who had a far more productive and lengthy career. Again, I think Baselli gets in, but he can't get in on a ballot in which there's a guy that did it for a long period of time. And part of that is the offensive line uh, bias. I mean, you could make an argument that two offensive linemen rather than two safeties should have gotten in on this class. But yes, that is part of the difficulty of being an offensive lineman on the ballot. I, I don't know how many have had two offensive linemen get in. I just don't think you can take, and would you agree that you can't take Baselli over Hutchinson being looking at the entire. No, uh, the I entire don't agree with career. that at all. Not, not, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Cause here's why Dave, yeah, do you mm. ever, do you ever do anything with the Olympics? Do you ever do anything with the Olympics? Yep. 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 What did you do? I hosted the, uh, well, you're probably knocked this. I hosted the tennis event, the studio coverage, Rio tennis event. Why? Okay. So here's why I ask you that. 
you know how, what are the sports where degree of difficulty comes into play? Diving? Is it gymnastics too, maybe? Where like there is a factor for degree of difficulty, all right? And that that matters because you can just do a dive off the diving board, but if you do four flips and three turns, that's more impressive before you dive than two flips and one turn, right? Or gymnasts, there are certain dismounts or certain things they do in the floor routine. Figure skating, figure skating, okay? Figure skating. Some men and women have much more difficult routines than others, okay? Tony Baselli's degree of difficulty with what he was asked to do is much more difficult than what Steve Hutchinson or Alan Fanica were asked to do. You you are rewarding a guy, and I think those guys are fantastic, but you are rewarding a guy because he dove into the pool nine times and had no splash, but Tony Baselli only did it six times but he did eight front flips and three side, whatever you call them, before he did it. Like, what's more impressive? A guy diving into a pool nine or ten times or a guy five or six times doing crazy flips in the air before he dives into the pool? Like, you won't find a guy, Dave. You won't find a single person that played that will say, that Steve Hutchinson or any often most often time was a better player than Tony Baselli. It's really this simple to me. Tony Baselli could have moved in the left guard and could have done what Steve Hutchinson did. There is no way Steve Hutchinson could have moved out to left tackle and done what Tony Baselli did. This sounds like I'm bashing Steve Hutchinson. It's not. I played left guard. That's where most of my starts were. Steve Mm. Hutchinson was tremendous. He was excellent. It's just not as hard of a position. It's just not as as difficult. It's just not as hard. It's not as impressive. You stuck the landing on making the first ever comparison between figure skating, diving, to football. Bravo, sir. Perfect 10 on that analogy. A perfect 10 on that. I just don't think in that respect, should you penalize a guy who played guard versus a guy who played tackle? You have to factor in that Hutchinson did it for more than a decade. Came into the one in 2001, left the league in 2012, member of the all-decade team. Just too far a body of work. Baselli will get in. Before we go, and I I can't believe we're on a time on a Tuesday. How would we go into the Hall of Fame? I was clearly not a Hall of Fame athlete. Still working on that whole broadcasting thing. Probably don't make the Hall of Fame in the broadcasting wing. So where would I fall in the Hall of Fame? And what about Ross Tucker? I guess my two most unique and talented traits are, one, my ability to make the best Bloody Mary anywhere. I cannot go to any restaurant that makes a better Bloody Mary than me. And number two, I don't know if you know this about me, Ross Tucker, I have Hall of Fame sock game. 
We don't get to see my socks here on Home and Home. You don't get to see my socks much on television, which begs the question, why the fuck do I spend so much time finding unique and clever socks when nobody sees them? That might be the dumbest hobby I've ever had in my life. But yes, it is my passion. I have great sock game. And the ones I'm wearing right now, if I can show them on the show, are Bloody Mary socks. No, I don't wear shoes here on Home and Home. Why would I? I'm in my attic. I'm rocking some Bloody Mary socks, combining my two Hall of Fame traits. What are yours, Tucker? So, for one, we're going to talk about this more tomorrow, because I don't even know why you wear socks at home, especially socks like that. That we need. <laughs> Who wears fancy socks with a t-shirt? You're a weirdo, and we're going to have to discuss this tomorrow. I'll tell you about yeah. socks. Here's what you need to know about socks. Socks are for losers, Okay. Every day in which you put on socks and or tie laces, you lost that day, all right? I never wear socks. I wear slip-on shoes. Winning, hashtag winning, yes. Uh, my Hall of Fames, there are three. I would be in the Hall of Fame for best three-point shooting all-county offensive linemen ever. Because there aren't very many all-county offensive linemen that could shoot the three like I could. Number two, I believe I would be in the Journeyman Offensive Lineman Broadcasters Hall of Fame. There aren't a lot of Journeyman Offensive Linemen that get into broadcasting or have any measure of success because, frankly, who gives a shit what a Journeyman Offensive Lineman has to say? Next, <laughs> Press Box Food Journalism Hall of Fame. I basically invented the category, okay? And someday, as it grows, there will be a Press Box Food Journalist Hall of Fame, and I'd like to think that I would be the founding member, Dave Briggs. You absolutely will found that future Hall of Fame. Have you ever been able to monetize this? Like, can you have, before we go, a Press Box Food cookbook or, or cooking segment in the press box with the chef on Instagram? Like, how do we take it to the next level? Yeah, I'm kind of working on that on some level, but we got to figure it out because I'd love to. I like monetizing things. I'm into monetizing uh, things. I am, I, in the, it, I, am in the, I am in the attempt to monetize things Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, you are with Cameo and with... Uh, front page and all the things you do. I think up next is a press box cooking show with Ross Tucker. I'm happy to be behind the scenes. I will produce it. You can be the star of the show with different chefs at every stop, college and NFL stadiums. Boom. Billion dollar idea. That might be my first here on the program. That's generally your category. Hall of Famer Ross Tucker. I'm Dave Briggs. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home.
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com.